And uh, so good to have all of you here today. I'm Pastor Brian. And uh, before I jump into the message, we do have our fusion class today. So if you are a student from 7th to 12th grade, you're invited to join uh, the other students in room one over here for youth class. So I encourage you to go do that. Today we're, we're continuing on in the Gospel of Mark, the book of Mark. And you can see we're in chapter two finally. So we've spent seven weeks in Mark chapter one. If you missed any of that, it's all online. You can find it all online. You can listen to the sermons. You can check out the resources that we have for small groups and for your families, for individual mentoring relationships. You can find all of it online. But today, we're finally ready to move to the next chapter. We've we're going to be spending the first three months of the year in, in the Gospel of Mark, maybe even more. We'd love your feedback on that. If you, want, if you think we should keep going even past Easter, uh, share with us. Let us know how you think it's going. But I've been loving it, just kind of taking a deep dive on the shortest of the four Gospels. And today we're, we're sort of starting a new mini-series within the series. And we're, we're going to be talking about challenging religion. Because for the entire second chapter of Mark... It's all about Jesus kind of going toe-to-toe with the religious leaders of the day. And this is a great opportunity for you to join a small group and talk about it. So if you haven't ever joined a small group, I just had somebody come up to me after the first service saying, it's, I've been in a small group. They, they go to the Beasley small group. They said, he said, I've never gone to a small group before. And he said, it's just been incredible to experience life with a bunch of other Christians like me, and he came up for prayer for his dad who had quadruple bypass surgery, and I, we prayed for his dad, but he said, it's been so incredible having a family, having my small group family to support me in this and love me through this. So small groups aren't just for talking about what we talk about here on Sundays. That's fun. Small groups are so much more than that. It's really about connecting to some people that you're doing life together with. You're you're praying for each other. It's like a built-in support group. And so I highly recommend a small group. If you've never tried it before, I highly recommend that you give it a try. And you can talk about all the stuff you're going to want to talk about after today's message. Because today, we're talking about uh, this story where a paralyzed man is brought to Jesus. And, and it's, not about, it's not about the paralysis. It's about what Jesus teaches us in the midst of it. And we're going to talk today about how Jesus is greater than religion. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can turn there. we got a lot of ground to cover today, but I want to start with a simple question. Really simple question, because I want us kind of tracking in the same direction together. The question is this, are you into Jesus or religion? And you know there's a difference. Some of you might say, oh, I don't don't get it. What's the difference? Isn't it all the same thing? There's a huge difference between being into Jesus and being into religion. If you're into religion, you you like coming to church, you want to come to church, you check it off your list. You probably serve, maybe you serve out there in the community and, and you do religious things out there in the community. Maybe you even serve in kids' church, which is great, by the way, if you serve in kids' church, I want to say thank you. We had a need for 20, 20 volunteers a couple of weeks ago. We got those filled. It's awesome. So, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying that religion's bad. Religion's not bad. Jesus himself is the author of religion. Like religion's, religion just literally, like the the 
the technical word for religion, it, it comes from a root word that means to bind. Now, some of you might, might be like, yeah, that sounds right, because religious religion like binds me. But it's not, it's not like that. It's supposed to be like to bind yourself to God, like to connect yourself to God. That's what religion is. Religion is binding yourself to God, is connecting yourself to God. So religion's not bad. I don't want you to, I don't want you to get it wrong. But but being involved in religion or being interested in religion is completely different than being interested in Jesus. A pursuer of Jesus is interested in a relationship with the creator of the universe. A pursuer of Jesus is interested in knowing who Jesus is. It's like what Paul says, the Apostle Paul in Philippians. He said, I want to know you. I want to know you, Jesus. See, Paul was a guy who used to be into religion. He was a Pharisee. And then he realized that he should have been into Jesus, and he meets Jesus, and Jesus basically calls him out and said, you, you, think you, you think you're pursuing God, but you're not. This whole time you've been missing me. And then Paul converts to Jesus, and then he's, he writes things like that in Philippians 3. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. And Paul even said, and I want to learn how to share in his suffering." That's someone who's into Jesus. And so there's a huge difference between, between sort of following the rules and going to church and playing the part and dressing up and all these things that we tend to do, the trappings of religion that's completely different than actually like beginning to experience a relationship with Jesus himself. And so keep this question in the back of your mind as we look at these verses in Mark chapter two, but before we do that, I, I think it's important for us to define what we mean by religion. And not religion, not just religion, but, but specifically toxic religion. Because again, religion's not bad, but religion can grow toxic. And so toxic religion is any system that tries to control people's access to God and his blessings. Toxic religion is when religious leaders, and this doesn't usually happen right off the bat when a church gets started, but over time, a church or denomination or group of believers, over time, it's easy for something, even something that started off really well, it's easy for something to turn toxic, and pretty soon you have the leaders. You have like these different classes of religious people in the, in the church, and you have the leaders that are that are saying that you need to kind of come through us. This is the right way to access God and his blessings. And it starts to get organized. I love it when people say, if I say to them that I'm a pastor, they say, oh, I'm not really into organized religion. And you know, I just love to tell them we're not that organized, really. <laughs> they don't know what to do with that usually. But you know, Organized religion has this tendency where it just, it grows into something where, where you've got sort of like the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers, and the gatekeepers are saying is, if you want to come to God, you got to, this is the way, you've got to come, you've got to come through our system, you've got to come through our rules, you've got to come through our regulations, and yet, if you're into Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so see, Christianity is 
There's only one gatekeeper for Christianity, and that's Jesus himself. And the way we get access to God is through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Jesus went to the cross, and he died the perfect sinless sacrifice. He died for us so that if we would come to him, if we would confess our need for him, if we would say, I recognize I'm a sinner, and I'm broken, and I can't earn my way to heaven, which is what religion tends to do, is say you have to earn your way to heaven and here's the list. Here's how you do it. But no, Christianity says that Jesus is the only way to the Father. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus. And so when we go to the foot of the cross and we say, Jesus, I trust in you and you alone for the forgiveness of my sins. And the Bible says that we're saved and we're forgiven and we're set free and we have a relationship with Jesus. And by the way, if you're here today and that's news to you, you've never heard it like that before, I encourage you to stick around because we wanna introduce you to that Jesus. We're not interested in introducing you to religion today or any day. We wanna introduce you to Jesus. We're pursuing Jesus. We're not just pursuing religion. We're certainly not interested in toxic religion. We don't control your access to God. I'll say that as the senior pastor of this church. I don't control your access to God. Jesus, Jesus alone can give you access to God. That's the difference between religion and Jesus. And so that's kind of the background, not just for today's message, but really this entire chapter, Mark chapter two, next week we'll see some more and the week after. and We're gonna just see how Jesus confronts religion, how Jesus challenges religion in his day. And so let's take a look at the story. Mark chapter two, verses, starting in verses one through four, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home and soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. So here Jesus is just, he's just staying at this private home and people got word that Jesus was there and the house is packed with people. Like no, it's standing room only crowd and Jesus is there preaching a message. It doesn't, Mark doesn't tell us what he's preaching because that's not the point. He doesn't tell us the message, but Jesus is out there kind of sharing with the people and, and speaking. I'm sure my guess is he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about entrance into the kingdom of God and how the whole thing is going to work. And it says that while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So here they get there and they, they get to the back, they get to the door and they see like there's no way we're going to get through this, this standing room only crowd to, to get to Jesus. And so it says that they dug a hole through the roof above his head. See, back then, a roof would have been kind of like a thatched, sort of like an earthen roof. And so they looked and they said, well, we can get up on top of that roof. And, and they got up there and they sort of triangulated where, where Jesus was standing, where he was preaching at the back of the house. And they said, I think it's right about here. Could you imagine? They start digging. Now let's just, let's, let's enjoy this scene for a minute because I think this would probably be a little bit comical. Jesus is there, he's preaching the word of God and I mean, it's a standing room only crowd and he's really got them. And he's, I'm sure he's like 
talking about the Old Testament because that's what God's word was for them. It, they didn't have the New Testament yet, so he's probably preaching out of Isaiah or Micah or something, or he's talking about David or Moses and, or maybe the promise that, that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12. Whatever he's doing, he's like, I'm sure he was like really getting into it. Jesus was such a great preacher, so much better than anyone you've ever heard. And all of a sudden, he starts seeing like stuff drop in front of him, like, th- like hay and dirt, and he's like, what is going on right here? Now, I'm, just a little confession for me, I am very distractible. I'm a very distractible person. I probably have ADD, but I was, never, I was never told that as a kid. I fought through it, but now I have to fight through it whenever I'm here and somebody's like making a ruckus in the crowd. So thank you for being a quiet crowd today. In the first service, we actually had a baby over here that was making some noise just before I got to this part of the sermon. I didn't call him out but I'm sure we were all thinking the same thing, right? <laughs> so I would have a real hard time if, if I'm there preaching and all of a sudden, like it says, they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Could you just laugh at this for a second? Like, can't you just see, here's, he's on a mat, you, this coming, it says, you know, maybe like, he almost falls off, you know? Jesus is standing there like watching this guy lower. And he gets lowered like right in front of him. Now here we are. Here we have, our, here we have like our first, our first test of Jesus versus religion. Because again, again, I'll just be honest. Like for me, like I'm ticked off. Like you are just, this is not the plan. This was not in the schedule. This isn't what I prepared for. This is a distraction I'm preaching the word of God here, right? This is, I'm just being, I'm confessing like this. I, I confessed a couple weeks ago, I'm more of a doer. And so here I'm doing, and you're interrupting my doing. I'm trying to do, I remember years ago when Alpine was still a one campus church and we all had offices together. We had a small pastoral staff. And, and I remember that I, I hated, I hated going into the office and being distracted by conversations with our pastoral team. I wanted to close the door and do my work. And I'm a, Tracy, you'd have to challenge me on this. She's like, because she, like, I'd come home and she'd say, how was your day today? I was like, I didn't get anything done. Well, why not? Because I was talking to people all day. Like I was doing relationships with people all day. And for me, I had to learn early on that relationship is the work. Relationship is the work. So I, I felt my, the way I'm wired, I felt more like closing the door and doing my studying or writing a sermon or whatever. That's the work. And I had to learn early on, I'm still having to learn this, that relationship is the work. But I'm just telling you that if this guy was, like don't anyone ever try this here, by the way. <laughs> if this guy was lowered in front of me, I would be like, you're, you're disrupting me right now. Because I have a little bit of that toxic religion in me, I think. Just confessing it. Like we all contend toward that. But we see Jesus and we see his response. Verse five, it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now two things, let's pause on this verse for just a second. The first thing I want you to see is this. It says, seeing their faith. Isn't it interesting that it doesn't say anything here about the paralyzed man's faith. It's talking about the faith of the four friends. To me, this is, this is a good reminder for us that, that our, 
our pursuit of God becomes toxic if our pursuit of God is only about us. Like if you're just, if you're pursuing God, if you would have, you maybe some of you answered that question earlier by saying, oh, I'm definitely into Jesus, not religion. Well, when's the last time that you were this desperate to help a friend know Jesus? Like when's the last time that you went out of your way to help a friend know Jesus? Most of the people that were in that room that day were crowded in there because they wanted to get something from Jesus. These four guys didn't even have a good seat. They were peering through a hole in the roof because it wasn't about them. It was about getting their, what a, what a good illustration, it was about getting their friend in front of Jesus. When's the last time you tried to get a friend in front of Jesus? See, being into Jesus means we want other people to experience what we're experiencing with Jesus as well. And it's really cool that it was their faith that made the difference in his life. It wasn't his faith. Now, I'm not saying the paralyzed guy didn't have faith. I'm sure he did. But Mark didn't point it out. Mark pointed out the faith of the four friends. And then here's the, here's the coolest part, really. And this was sort of, this is the, This is why Mark is telling this story in the first place. Jesus says to the guy, my child, your sins are forgiven. Again, it's so easy for us to read this and just pass right over it, not even even recognize how funny this probably was at the moment. Like, everyone is standing there waiting to see Jesus heal this guy, including the guy. And Jesus looks down, and the guy looks back up, and he's like, here it comes. Here it comes. This is going to be awesome. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And it doesn't, Mark has given us like the abridged version of this, but I, I bet you the paralyzed guy was like, what the heck? <laughs> like, Jesus, read the room here. <laughs> you, like, you see what's going on here? None of this works. That's not what I'm here for. But Jesus forgives his sins. Because because when we see the external stuff, when we see the problems on the outside, we all have problems on the outside. Most of you seem to have walked here today, so that's not your problem. But relational problems, emotional problems, some of the stuff that, some of the kind of like the temporal problems, all the, just the, ins and outs and the everyday stuff that we deal with in this world, the kind of felt needs that sometimes draw us to religion or Jesus or both. But we have these felt needs and we, we want God to meet our felt needs. And, and you're going to see that, that God does want to meet our felt needs. But see, Jesus sees a deeper need. Jesus sees the deepest needs. Before he sees the external stuff, he sees our deepest need. And so Jesus could see really what nobody else was focused on because they were just be, being distracted by his obvious external problem. And Jesus understood that this guy had a much, much bigger problem. And Jesus forgave his sins. Your sins are forgiven. Which, by the way, I'm sure at the time he didn't realize this, that was by far the bigger healing. The, big, the greatest healing that Jesus offers us is this healing when Jesus forgives our sins. Now we do that by coming to the cross and and saying, Jesus, kind of really like this, like laying prostrate before Jesus and and just saying, Lord, we need you. 
and I'm powerless and I'm desperate. And Jesus forgives our sins when we put our faith in him. And Jesus does it here. It's actually the first time in the Gospel of Mark that we see anything like this, forgiveness of sins. See, Jesus has been preaching about the kingdom of heaven, but nobody really knew what that meant just yet. They didn't know that Jesus was going to die on the cross. They didn't know all that stuff yet. So this is all still fresh and new to them. And up until this point, they only saw Jesus as a miracle worker. They didn't really fully know Jesus' divinity. They didn't know the real reason he was there. This was the real reason he was there, to forgive sins. But that's where the story gets interesting. It says that some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Now they say two things there. They say this is blasphemy and only God can forgive sins. They were half right. And that's how religion always is. Toxic religion always has like a kernel of truth, like a little seed of truth. And so they understood the second part of what they said was true, that only God can forgive sins. But what they didn't understand is that Jesus is God. They didn't know this yet. In fact, most of the crowd probably didn't know this yet. And so it would have been blasphemy if Jesus wasn't God. Because only God can forgive sins. See, look, they were saying, we control We control the gateway, we control the access to God and his blessings, toxic religion. We're the the leaders here. Who's this carpenter's son guy? Who's this nobody? We're the leaders here. The only reason they were there is because they were trying to keep tabs on this religious zealot, Jesus. They weren't there to learn from Jesus. They were there to, to keep tabs on, keep their thumb on Jesus if they could, which they couldn't, by the way. Spoiler alert, if you don't know the rest of the story. So they were, they were basically saying, no, 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 the way, the way to forgiveness comes through us, comes through our rules, comes through our rituals, come, comes through our system. And we're, we're, the, we're the guardians of the system. And so this really angered them. Like, he can't say that. Only God can say that, and God has ordained us to say it for him. God has given us the keys to the kingdom, essentially, is what they're saying. Like, how dare he say that? And then it says that Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man? Now remember, this guy's still, this guy's still just sitting there, comically sitting there in front of Jesus, like, He's got a front row seat to this whole interchange between Jesus and the Pharisees. His sins have just been forgiven, maybe. He's not really sure. Because he's probably thinking a little bit like the religious leaders. I mean, they were his leaders. So this was the teaching he'd gotten his whole life. So he's probably thinking, yeah, that's true. Do you have the right? Do you have the authority? Is that blasphemy? So he's just sitting there having a front row seat to this to this interchange between Jesus and and the Pharisees. And Jesus says, is it easier to say to this paralyzed guy, get up and walk, or sorry, your sins are forgiven, or stand up and walk? Like, which one's easier? I mean, it's, it's it's a natural question to ask, isn't it? It's a question we understand today in our scientific day and age, right? Like, we want proof. Show me scientific proof. I don't want someone's opinion. I don't want someone's statement. Show me the facts. 
prove it to me, which is, has gotten to be quite comical anymore these days, how we still contend to bend science to prove whatever we want to prove a little bit anymore. Anyway, that's for another sermon. Don't get us started on that. But, but Jesus, under, Jesus understood the concept, like, like it's not verifiable if this guy's sins were forgiven. I could say whatever I want, but you can't see into the court of heaven. So you don't know if it actually took. But what I can see is if you tell the guy to get up and walk, and if he doesn't do it, that I can prove it didn't happen. I can see it. It didn't happen. He's still laying there. And so Jesus says this. I will prove to you that the Son of Man, that's what he called himself, that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And then here's how this story ends, verse 12. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And they were all amazed. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. What a cool story. And Jesus is just proving a real simple thing. I want you to hear this. Jesus is proving a simple thing to everyone standing there. He's proving that Jesus, that he is greater than religion. I mean, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law represent the, this religious system that started off good. I, I want to make sure you understand that. Like, they, they came out of the Jewish religious system. God's the one who set that up. God's the one who set up the temple and the sacrifices. God's the one who gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. God's the one who gave them judges and kings and priests and prophets. All that stuff that we see in the Old Testament was God's idea. God, God is not against religion, but religion had become toxic by the time of Jesus' day. And Jesus' day had got to the point where these leaders, these spiritual leaders, weren't actually leading people to God. I don't think they even realized it. If you know some toxic religious people in your world, maybe you've had some people in mind this whole time. Let's all just say their names. No, just kidding. Right? <laughs> like, I, wanna, I just want to make sure you don't have the wrong attitude toward them. I, I bet you that they're not trying to be toxic. I bet you that their heart, their intention isn't bad. They've just been duped. They've been fooled into this, this form of religion that denies the power of religion. They've been, they've been fooled into thinking that, that the checklist does count for their salvation. They've been fooled into thinking that the way you dress does matter to God. That the more dressed up, the more God loves you and appreciates you, and the more you're honoring God with that. They've been fooled into thinking that, that this religious system is what opens the door to a relationship with God instead of what Jesus is saying, and he's just beginning to teach this, that Jesus is saying, I am the way to access God. You can't come to God except through me. And the whole thing was about relationship with Jesus. It's not about 
keeping a set of rules. Again, I, I don't want you to misunderstand this. It doesn't mean that keeping rules is bad. It doesn't mean that going to church is bad. It doesn't mean that those, the things that we would consider to be religious activity is bad. Not at all. That is not what Jesus is teaching at all. It just means this, that that stuff is secondary and a relationship with Jesus is primary. And that really the only way to truly have that stuff, the only way for that stuff to really even count or matter or be effective is to have a relationship with Jesus. It's that we start with this relationship with Jesus and then what happens is from the inside out, we begin to live religious lives. We begin to live lives that are righteous and we begin to live lives that other people would call religious, but we know that it's really about a relationship with God that totally transformed us. And this paralyzed guy was proof of that as he gets up and he walks out. I, I wish I was there. So many times we're going to be reading in these stories. It would be so cool to have been a fly on the wall to see this guy walking out and he got a two for one that day. <laughs> there was a little buy one, get one free sale going on that day in that house in Capernaum. He didn't just, he didn't just have wholeness physically so he could walk. But he was, he was like raised to life spiritually. He was forgiven of his sins. And he walked out of there a free man in more ways than one. Friends, Jesus is greater than religion. I, like I hope if you're here today that you are interested in seeking Jesus with us. And so that mean, that's, why we, that's why we push small groups because, because when you're in a small group, you're experiencing life with other people who are not trying to be religious. They're just trying to know Jesus better. And that's why we encourage, if you're here saying like, how do, if, I'm, if I recognize now that maybe my, maybe my focus has been off, I've been focused on the surface stuff, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to, to start reading your Bible for yourself. If the only time you ever read the Bible is when you come to church and we read it to you, then you're, you're more into religion than you are into Jesus. Like when you read God's word for yourself and you let God's word speak to you, you begin to, your heart begins to connect with the heart of Jesus. And that is so much greater than religion. You know, another thing is just prayer, like learning to pray. And if, if you're new to this whole church thing, like prayer is, prayer might be hard, but, but when, you, when you learn to pray, not just on Sunday mornings, not just for your meals, <laughs> But like, get up in the morning like Jesus did and, and just say, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray. This might be short, but I'm gonna pray. And like, try it. Come on Saturday night to our worship night. We're, we're gonna be here for about 90 minutes. You know, we typically on a Sunday morning, we sing three or four songs on Saturday night here at this campus. We're gonna be, this, this room's gonna be filled with Alpiners from all of our campuses who are into Jesus, not religion. Because they don't get credit for going to a worship night. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes in, in your mind you tally it a little bit, like, okay, well, it's Sunday. Dang it, it didn't snow, so I don't have an excuse. I guess I'm gonna have to go because religion is in your head saying, it's kind of one of those things you gotta check off. You come on a Saturday night and those people aren't checking off any boxes, like they wanna be here. Now, I'm not saying you don't want to be here. I, I think many of us, that's one of the things I love about Alpine is we're not a very religious church. 
So when you're here, it's because you want to be here. You worship God because you want to worship God. But I know there are some of you who are here who are saying, that's not really me because I'm more into religion than Jesus. And you're really not even that into religion if you're coming to our church. Because what kind of religion lets you bring coffee in here? (laughs) Friends, Jesus is greater than religion. So let's seek him together. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to let this message and this story really sink in for us. God, that we would that we would be about seeking Jesus. Lord, I just pray for the person who's here who's still new enough to this that they don't really fully understand the difference. I pray, God, that you would help them to see the difference and to experience the difference. Jesus, I pray that you would draw all of us into a closer walk with you, into a relationship with you. God, let us go beyond religion to a real, life-changing relationship with the creator of the universe, the sustainer of all things, the savior of our souls, Jesus Christ. It's all about you, Jesus. May we remember that in Jesus' name. Amen.